Welcome back to episode 40 of the Run It Three Ways podcast. We're back on the mic after missing last week's show, but don't worry, we've got plenty to discuss this week, including Callum's highest mileage week yet, Tom's first interval session back, and a race report and injury update from myself. Plenty of news as well this week, ranging from the Valencia Half Marathon to the Inga Britson statement regarding their troubled relationship with their father. How are we doing, boys, on this Tuesday lunchtime? All right, boys, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, it's good to good to be back, isn't it? Bloody hell, 40, 40 episodes, and that's with us missing a few. Yeah, that's, that's a bad. lot of it's a lot of minutes, isn't it, of us talking nonsense? I yeah, I wonder like, how many it is if you add it all up. I feel like every episode recently has been us saying apologies for not being here last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might as well just make it a bi-weekly at this point, might we? Yeah, um, just when we fancy it. Yeah, don't let people yeah. expect um, weekly episodes. Just no. as and when. I think it's it's annoying though, because I would love us to just be able to do like every every Sunday or every Monday without fail. But it's, yeah. it's just it's just not um realistic, is it's it? Not possible for, for us. us. No, we're all very busy, so very just trying busy. to fit it in when we can. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we are. You know, here we are. Are you, are you boys all right? I know there's there's probably quite a lot to catch up on, isn't there? Like, especially from your side, Ben. There's, yes, there's indeed. Been lots going on in the uh, in the Ben Felton camp of late. It has been yeah. a fair bit. Yeah, been swimming this morning. Good stuff. Did sixty lengths in the pool, which was a was a How big many? achievement. Sixty. Flipping it. Yeah, it's only twenty five meter um, pool, so it's it's not Olympic size. So mm. 30, 30 lengths in an Olympic size. Um, How hard is swimming, by the way? It is ridiculously hard. It yeah. felt a bit easier today. I think today was my third swim. Um, since stopping running um, and it is getting easier but like the breathing and everything like that is just so difficult G- give mm. some context for the listeners then Ben so like we spoke a couple di- in fact did we speak about the podcast no. I, don't, I don't think we did we spoke about it in the group chat didn't we that you were yeah. carrying a bit of a niggle and we said be careful when you race then yeah. it went, went away or whatever but what's the diagnosis from whoever you've spoken to yeah so basically I've got a suspected um stress reaction or stress fracture i'm not sure yet in my uh, left femur um i've spoken to a bone specialist and physio described my um symptoms that i've been experiencing over the last two weeks um and it is looking like that way um mm-hmm. actually tonight i've got a mri scan in london at 6 30 oh, nice. which nice. will be good which will confirm like basically the severity of of the injury are you going? Um, are you going to the same place Tom went, or different? Yes, the same place. Ah, thank yeah. you to our kind supporters of this podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, living room health. Living I, room health. I yeah. can't wait until I get a stress response so I can be the third, <laughs> the third member to get involved with them. Yeah, full house. But I think just for for clarity's sake, like the last time we recorded was before Oxford Half, wasn't it? So yeah, obviously the listeners won't know about like the back and forth that we had in the WhatsApp group and all that kind of stuff. But you were not contracted but you were uh you know you were getting paid to run oxford half with pro direct and hoka yeah so there was a little bit of added pressure there you had a little bit of a, a quad niggle that you um professed to on strava in the lead up to it and mm. i think myself and callum were of the stance that if you feel anything at all regardless of brand obligations and that kind of thing don't don't race um, yeah, definitely. and you were uh, you took it uh, you said you were going to race with, with caution. Yeah. I think didn't feel anything on a day. Um, 
but since then you've sort of continued to have prolonged symptoms is that is that about right yeah so the day days leading up to the race i think it was the tuesday and i raced on the sunday um i felt this weird like numbness in my quad which was i thought was just like you know when you do a hard session you wake up and you run and you're a little bit stiff and then you just run and it sort of it goes away but i got towards the end of the run and this sort of stiffness slash numbness whatever i want to call it was still there it's hard to call it a pain because it's more of like an awareness that something's not quite right um mm. uh, and that was on tuesday the week of the race and then on the wednesday it was it was there but hardly noticeable and then on thursday friday and saturday before the race it had pretty much gone away which i was like oh, okay it's all good um but i was like i'm still going to still going to race with caution um i said to myself like before the race i was going to run to 5k and if i felt any awareness pain whatsoever i was gonna was gonna call it but did my warm-up started the race and yeah ran all the way to the finish line had absolutely no pain at all which is the the really weird thing really with um with this injury at, at most it's been like a, a two maybe three out of ten in terms of um in terms of pain which is a good and a bad thing it's like it's good that it's not so severe that I'm going to have to stop running for like 14 weeks, which can be the worst case scenario with something like a stress fracture. Um, but it's, yes, yeah, it's just been a bit of a weird one. Um, so I did the race. The race went pretty well. Very happy talk with us, it. Talk us through the race as if you, the injury didn't happen. Do you get what I mean? Like do a normal race report. Yeah, yeah sure. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that, it still deserves its, uh, its time in the sun. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let me find it here on Strava. Time in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so as you said it was the oxford half marathon um it wasn't an a goal race for me but i was hoping to just be competitive um after doing a fairly decent training block for a 10k some like four weeks ago um, so i knew i was in good shape but i hadn't necessarily trained specifically for half marathon um so i knew i was going to suffer a little bit towards the end um but the race went really well started with the the front group the aim of the day was always to be as competitive as i could I wasn't really bothered about what pace I was going to be running. It was, I was just going to run with the front group until I couldn't, basically. Um, and that's exactly what happened. A front group of about five guys, four or five guys formed. And we were all together until about 14 kilometers. Um, the first half of the race was sort of into, into the wind. So the pace was a little bit slower than the average pace for, for the race. Um, and then after, yeah, I think about 14 kilometers, the guy who ended up winning the race, um, I can't remember his name, but he, he was a student from uh, America. He, he'd raced in the NCAAs. Uh, I saw in his, after, did, after the race, I did a bit of digging and saw some of his results. So he's run like 28 low for 10K and did a lot of like track races. So I think it might have been his first half marathon, but he, he definitely wasn't like a, a new runner. Um, but he kicked on at about 14 kilometers, ended up winning it. Um, and his sort of acceleration broke up the pack. Um, and I was in third place for pretty much the whole race until the final mile where I got overtaken um, uh, for fourth place, which I was, I think, looking back at the race in terms of my splits, it was super consistent. Like I felt in control the whole way. Um, but I just feel like in hindsight, I wish I could have been competitive in that last mile and and got third place rather than fourth place i feel like i lost the i lost the battle there for the podium but other than that good race i think i was about 20 seconds off my personal best that i ran in uh copenhagen this time last year 
but for a course like um oxford i think that equals if not betters my personal best in terms of i know obviously in hindsight it's a, is is great but on a quicker course i definitely would have run quicker than an hour and seven minutes um there's so many corners and twists and turns and heart like in the last three miles of the course it just suddenly take you through this like this lovely beautiful park in oxford but it's all gravel and it's got like these weird twists and turns i'm like what what is going on here i'm doing a road race and now i'm basically running through puddles on like what's like a park run course which is a little bit weird but other than that yeah. good race good result i just i just watched um thingy andy fod runner's video on that actually yeah uh, his race video and he was saying the same thing it's like an amazing course like proper sort of big city race type vibes yeah. almost until you get to the last couple of miles where yeah you're taken oh, an on some mess. weird twisty turns on gravel and everything else which is a shame really you almost want that if it's going to happen at all in the race you almost want it like towards the start don't you and then have a big finish rather mm. than having to wiggle around when you're a bit fucked you know yeah and it felt like at the end they were just trying to fit all of the sightseeing bits of <laughs> oxford in like they just made yeah. us do a lap of the cathedral which was on a cobblestone street and they put this like plastic sheet across all the cobblestones and it was on this on this really tight corner and it was ridiculous it was ridiculously slippery you couldn't you couldn't run any quicker than like four minutes a kilometer without falling on your ass so it was a little bit weird the way it finished but other than that it was a great race like yeah like you said by from andy's video the crowd support was was incredible it felt like a proper big almost like a london marathon scale event in terms of the crowds that were cheering you on it was it was really good mm. yeah good stuff so you'd recommend it as a race on the whole if someone's looking for a you know, uh, a solid attempt at a PB or whether they're just looking for a nice, uh, solid race with good organisation, yeah. crowd support, blah, blah, blah. You'd, you'd recommend Oxford, would you? Yeah, definitely. Good. Yeah, like you said, good crowd support and the organisation was really good. Um, but just the course is not... It's flat. It's completely flat, but they, it's not fast at all because of the of the nature of the twists and turns and the, the random sightseeing bits. But yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. And you had a little family weekend away, I saw on your video. Got a nice little Airbnb with a swimming pool. Must have hit the big time. <laughs> yeah, we did. Had a lovely <laughs> little um little Airbnb. There was literally nothing left to um to book. Left it to the last minute. It was kind of a last minute opportunity that popped up. Um my sister said she'd do it as well. So three weeks of training, I think, for her. And she was about a couple of minutes off her personal best. And um yeah, it was a good week weekend with the family, but interestingly after the race um i on the way back to the car like walking wise i could feel a little bit of um pain in my quad again like i hadn't felt mm. it at all when i was running um could feel a little bit of awareness like stiffness um, and i thought oh okay it's still there it hasn't gone away completely um which then takes me on to kind of my second week of of training in terms of the update um the day after the race i did a beautiful 10 mile run lovely conditions it was the first like really cold run of of the of the year um so i had my tights on my long sleeve i was looking forward to that day and i felt unreal it, it felt like i hadn't even run a half marathon the day before no pain in the quad whatsoever i was like okay brilliant i, I made the right decision in terms of racing with caution it, it, i seem to have got away with it um again tuesday was absolutely fine um this was a bit of an interesting day um i went for my morning run like i usually would at around 11 30 and then I, I got back to the house 
and I realized I didn't have my key with me, so I couldn't get back in the house. Um, so I was, long story short, I was basically locked out of the house all day and spent about eight hours sat in the car, which luckily I left unlocked um, to wait for somebody to come over for work. Didn't have my phone on me. Um, I suppose I could have could have knocked on my neighbor's door and and rag my mum or something. But she she lives about uh, 30 minutes away in Colchester um, and you have to drive down the A12 and she's not a fan of motorways. So I just thought, don't bother anyone. Like, I'm fine. I'm I'm in the car. I've got a blanket. I'll just wait it out. Meg will be home at seven o'clock and I can get in the house. Um, so that was a fun little sub story. But again, that is mental. I remember I saw that on um, on Meg's instagram story and your instagram story yeah and I, I couldn't believe that you'd spent that amount of time in a car but i guess if you're in a little village like yeah. you are yeah you can't just pop you know like you can't walk to meg's work or like i don't know your parents house where they might have a spare key or something yeah like exactly fully locked out meg's an hour and a half away on the train my parents yeah. are half an hour i could it's 25 kilometers i could run there if i wanted to yeah. Um, but I just thought. Did you, did you not consider breaking into your own house? I did think about it, yeah, but that would that would have been a costly um, inconvenience. I think I just decided that the best option was just to sit in the car, wait it out. I'm not going to die. I got a little bit of water. I had one pound sixty that I found in spare change uh, that I spent on some some donuts for lunch, and I just I just roughed it out for the day. Oh dear me! Did did I tell you what's? Did I talk on the podcast about me getting locked out as well? Can't no, remember. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I had a fairly similar encounter. Walked out of the house just to go for a little stroll after work. I had a key in my pocket, but it was a key that looks identical to my house key, but that wasn't. I still don't know what that key's for or where I've picked it up from, but it's definitely not the key to any doors in my house. Um, <laughs> Realised straight away, and then both neighbours on either side, basically, I've got like a garden out the back of my flat but i don't have any access to it it's just the neighbors on the other side that do but both of them were out my parents who have got a spare key were on holiday in wales so i was out at sort of six o'clock in the evening with absolutely no way of, of getting back inside and i i thought about climbing the fence but i was in a black tracksuit with a hat on and i thought if any of the neighbors see me scaling this fence the police will be called immediately and that's that wouldn't be ideal yeah so yeah, in the end, I had to go to my mum's friend's house uh, who was looking after my mum's cat to get the <laughs> spare key to then go to my parents' house, see if they had a spare key for my house to then try and get in here. And it was like a four-hour ordeal in the pissing rain. Oh, that sounds uh, fun. Which wasn't a particularly pleasant evening. Um, but yeah, there you go. We both had uh, locked out encounters recently. Yeah, I think I'm used to someone always being at home because somebody... Is usually working from home so i can just get back in so i must have just mm. forgot to take a key um but anyway that was a fun day a bit traumatized but i made it through um the next day so the, it was the wednesday i did my first session of the week which was five by three k um and again no real pain or awareness um until the cool down when i started to feel probably similar to the initial um sort of pain that i felt when the sort of the Tuesday before the half marathon race and um, the numbness was back. Um, I could feel a little bit of pain when I was sort of walking out of the gym. Um, but again, didn't really think too much of it. Did a double 
had a little bit of awareness of the pain. Why didn't you think too much of it? I know hindsight's twenty twenty, mm. but I just want to, just for the benefit of the listeners, because we've all been guilty in our life to differing degrees of just like putting off something or like, do you think in your heart of hearts, you knew you were injured, but you're in that denial phase where you're like, I can probably run it off. I'll probably be fine tomorrow. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Give, it, let's give it another, another day. Or did you truly just think, Oh no, it's it, like, it's probably nothing. Like it'll be fine. Or were you kind of, did you know you're injured at this point? Uh, it was kind of, I was sitting on the fence. I think I was like, because I've done a lot of high mileage stuff, like with marathon training, I always get these little niggles that I'm like, Oh, something feels a little bit weird there today, but I'll, I'll see what it's like tomorrow. And most of the time you wake up and it's gone away or it takes a couple of days of easy running and then you're fine. You're good to go again. So I just thought it was one of those like little niggles. Um, I could probably just run through it and it'll, it'll go by the morning. Um, but I did an evening double that day. Uh, the, the pain was there. It's probably like a one or two out of 10 this time. Um, and then the next day I did a midweek long run. Again, the pain was pretty constant across this run, probably like a one or two out of 10. But again, sitting on the fence, didn't want, really want to admit that I was feeling an injury coming on. Mm. Um, I just wanted to crack on and not really worry about it. Because um, that's the thing with this with this niggle. It's been such a low level of pain. I can just run through it if I if I choose to ignore it. Like I can I can run for 10 minutes and then I'll forget that it's even sore. It'll only be if i think oh is my leg still hurting and then I'll be like, yeah it is still hurting yeah. um yeah i, I, I think callum just hit the nail on the head really with like the hindsight situation it's so easy to sit here now and be like well as soon as you felt anything you should have just got a scan and stopped running and blah blah, yeah. blah when instead you've done five by three k on a treadmill and a race and a race evening. and a race yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh you know like a, a 20k at a fairly like a steezy as you would say yeah uh trained at the gym in the evening and then continue to like keep keep going despite feeling this and i think it's i can relate to it so much because i i didn't think this stress stress fracture i had came from anywhere it felt like i just woke up one morning went for an easy run and suddenly like my my hip was battered mm. but when i really think back there's a long run that i did the week before the injury where my lower back just felt like tight it just felt like i'd laid in bed for too long you know and you just feel a bit like stiff yeah or you sit down for too long and your your glutes and hips just feel a bit tight that's all it felt like but it was there was a definite like awareness there that i wouldn't even have really considered to be anything apart from stiffness but then when you were aware that there is something there i did you know i did strides after that easy run despite the fact that my glute was quite sore and that was like the nail in the coffin that seemed to have really tipped it over the edge and made it a full-blown stressy with you know requiring all the time off so it's so easy to you know sit just here and say on. what you should have done or could have done but yeah it's it's just a yeah it's a difficult situation isn't it mm. um no, knowing what you know now though tom would you, would your actions change or not oh 100 yeah 100 I, I guess i guess that's the position we're in through thinking about how the listeners can gain something from these episodes in particular your journey through whatever you've talked about from mm. being injured being feeling really shit about it and now being out the other side obviously you can say hindsight is 2020 well now if you have that chance again what would you what would you do so now what's your approach if you do feel a certain niggle or like what what will your kind of headspace be surrounding injury 
Yeah, I'm definitely no expert, obviously, but just from perception of niggles and little aches and pains, like even now, back running, like there's, you know, you don't feel 100% fresh 100% of the time. But I think it's just being more in tune with what's a niggle that feels safe and what's a little niggle that feels like it's probably a bit more sinister. And I think in our heart of hearts, like as as runners, unless you've never been injured ever before in your life or never had a niggle, it's like Ben, for you, it's probably now in hindsight quite easy to determine that this quad niggle has lingered for longer than just like if you've got a tight Achilles from doing a session in spikes on the track or yeah. something. So I think that's that's the main thing for me now. Like if there's what feels to be like quite a deep aching type feeling, I would I would get uh get advice, get a scan like straight away just for for peace of mind. Mm. Whereas if it's like a creaky Achilles that's a bit sore or your calves are a bit tight, then it's again it would just be proceed with with caution. So I think it's more just being a lot more in tune with what is okay and what is actually like feels like a serious issue with how your body's moving yeah feeling if that makes sense i feel like i've been pretty lucky with the way i've handled it in terms of like i in hindsight now probably shouldn't have done the half marathon shouldn't have done a session last week but in terms of how my injury has developed it's kind of stayed at the same as it was when i first felt the initial pain so i've yeah. been lucky that my well, in my terms stupidness of pain, yeah, basically you, basically you hasn't made you, it any worse well mm. you don't know like uh, uh, hopefully but like you don't know do you get what i mean you could have had a stress response you could now have a stress fracture you could be in the same position as before yeah like i think if you're injured there's i'm not trying to kick a man while he's down because i think you've been really good about how you're handling <laughs> the cross training stuff but in terms of the listeners learning a lesson you know if you were injured and all the symptoms are suggesting a certain thing to run a race that didn't matter at all, to do a session that didn't matter at all. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I think depending on where you are in your training cycle for something, mm. yeah, if you're two weeks out from the biggest race of your life, you've worked all year for it, and this is your one major thing, it's in a race like Berlin or Boston or something where it's hard to get into, fine. I can Take see a bit why more you would, of a risk. I can see why you would push through it, and I'm sure elite athletes with all the best advice in medical sport in the world still push through it to running at Olympics or a world champs or whatever. I guess that's just the nature of loving the sport that you're doing. But I also think for a lot of us, and this is myself definitely included, because we love running and we want to be fit all the time and we sort of, we gain confidence and sort of stuff from when our running is going well, it's hard to just say, okay, let me down tools or like actually this week off, if I have to have a week off or two weeks off, does it matter in the grand scheme of the year? Am I training for anything important right now? And the answer most times is probably no. So actually, I think we kind of convince ourselves that a risk is necessary to take because we don't want to miss a Tuesday session or a, yeah. you know, a, a long run or whatever. Mm. But actually, if you took a step back and you almost imagine that you were giving advice to someone, I think we would all give the advice of, yeah, it's probably not worth it, mate. Like, what, you're going to do a 15-mile run? What benefit are you going to get compared to if your stress response turns to a stress fracture? You know, like risk versus reward kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, easy to say when you're not the person in the situation. I get that. I'm just thinking about, like, um, a lot of listeners who love their running but would be far worse off if that running got taken away. It's easier to have a week than it is 16 weeks. Yeah, definitely. For example. I, I think as well, like... But we're in a position now where you don't have a conclusive answer. Like you, <laughs> we could say all of this and then you get an MRI later this evening, get your results tomorrow or, you know, Thursday at some point, And it's all clear. 
Yeah, you, know, you, you might, yeah, you might just not as have likely. a stress fracture. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's just as likely that you don't have a stress fracture than you do. 100%. But the point more is how you handle it going forward. Because if this mm. happens 10 more times in the future, one of them is going to be a stress fracture out of however many. So it's yeah. more about like, you know, fingers crossed you're actually fine. And it's okay, it's a quad strain or it's this or it's that. And you have to have 10 days off and do some specialist rehab. That's fantastic. But I think it's a good test run for you to learn, okay, this is how I handle injury. This is the shit part about it. This is what I found really hard. These are the coping mechanisms that I found really well. And actually slap yourself on the wrist and say, don't do a race when you're injured again. That was stupid. And then you're, you're prepared for the next time when it's something worse. Um, mm. Like I'm trying to do that with you guys now and be like, okay, what have you found that's really helped? What, where have you made mistakes? What's gone wrong? Because inevitably I will get an injury at some point and hopefully I can avoid the pitfalls by learning from people that have been through an injury before. Yeah. So I think we've got a duty to inform the, the people of what they should and shouldn't do with our uh, limited knowledge. Yeah, I, I think the point I'm making as well with it is the fact that you don't have an answer yet, despite the fact that Oxford Half was what, a couple, couple week, weeks ago now? Uh, and yeah. you felt the niggle in the build up to that. Like, obviously, you're not going to get an MRI scan every time you feel the slightest little niggle. But if this was lingering, and when you start talking about symptoms, you get people saying, oh, sounds like when I had a stressy, blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing that got me to get a scan when the physios told me it wasn't bone related. The hospital told me it wasn't bone related. It was only by talking to runners who were like, no, nah, that sounds like a sacral stressy. I've had one before. This is how it felt. So on. That's the only thing that really forced me into action to getting a to getting a scan. So I think what I'm saying is you could have already had uh, a scan, a diagnosis, and if it is a response, a bit of edema maybe where you don't need much time off, just 10 days, two weeks to let it settle, mm. you could have already had that rather than doing, you know, the race and then five by 3K and like pretty decent volume, like moderate volume for yourself yeah. on what is already an injury. So yeah, it's not us kicking kicking you while you're down, like Callum said, it's more just, uh, I think, a duty to you as a, as a friend to the listeners who might be going through something similar, that nothing is more important than getting like a conclusive diagnosis and knowing what the situation is and then being able to rectify it rather than just kind of going through like, oh, two out of 10 pain, that might be fine, it might not be fine. Yeah. Because you could wake up with a raging 11 out of 10 pain like, yeah, the next day fat. and then you're, then you're off for months, you know? Yeah. So mm. it's, Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. And we also did abuse Tom when he did that test. <laughs> like he did a test run in his back garden to double check he was still injured, which definitely yeah. made it worse. Oh, I saw this. Let me just, I saw this funny like um, TikTok this week, which was basically like it said like injured runner waking up checking they're still injured, and it was like this guy just getting jogging out of bed the and then like jogging on the spot, jumping yeah. from side to side, and doing all this weird yeah. wacky shit, and being it's, like, "Yeah, it's still so injured." Because because we say this to you, Ben, but I remember like the the Tuesday, uh, well the Monday double that I did where I first felt the onset of it. Yeah. The Tuesday morning when I woke up and I could barely put weight on my leg. The Monday I did strides after that easy run because I was still dead set on doing this session on the Tuesday. Yeah. And I woke up and was like, I I put my running kit on, I put my Wave Rebellion Pros on, and was like, right here we go. I can just get through this Tuesday session. Then I can have an easy day on Wednesday and everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that I literally can't fucking walk on the thing. Yeah, you know? I know the feeling. So we all do it. We're all stupid. But what, yeah, I think what me and Callum and everybody really wants is for you to not end up in that situation. Yeah. You know, take two weeks, take three weeks, take four weeks, as long as it's not 12 plus. Yeah. And then 
a really slow rebuild. That's that's what you can still potentially avoid at, at this point. So definitely, yeah. And anyway, got, got, have you got any more training to talk us through, Ben? Um, not really. Apart from, um, I made the decision after sort of three days of lingering pain after that session. I was like, right, this is this is not getting any better. Like easy running isn't making it any better. I need to just pull the plug here and just admit that I'm injured. Um, and I think for me, that's probably the hardest point of getting an injury is like, especially one that you can run through is accepting that, yes, you are injured and you need to stop doing, stop running because that is what's making it, that's going to potentially make it worse. I just find that that initial bit where I'm like, I need to tell Meg, look, I've got an injury. I need to stop running. I find that almost the hardest point of it in terms of talking about it. Mm. um but since then i've been cross training and swimming and have no no real pain so hopefully I'm, i've done the right thing get the scan tonight and they can hopefully give me a bit more of a yes you can return to running in two weeks four weeks six weeks whatever it may be but um yeah that was probably the hardest bit is just yeah. allowing myself to be like yeah you have got an injury you need to stop doing this otherwise you're going to make it 10 times worse and i think it's also good now to to deep the fact that you need a recovery process like if if you got a stress response and they say cool you can run in two weeks yeah it doesn't mean that in two weeks you do an 80 mile week no. two sessions in the long run do you know what i mean like i would just get in your head now okay cool if i can run in a few weeks maybe i'll do a 20 mile week then a 30 mile week then a 40 mile you know and like build up yeah kind of, kind of sensibly so i think once you know where you stand it's 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 Feel easier like to, to, to lay out lay out some kind of roadmap for yourself which is good yeah mm. And, and last thing on this as well, from a physio standpoint, I don't know if it's helpful to, to people listening. Like, how did you go about finding a physio? Like, what did you tell them about your your symptoms? And like, how, how did that whole process work for yourself? Yeah, so I basically sent an email via their websites. Um, I spoke to a couple of different um, private clinics because basically if you want to get an MRI scan on the NHS, you can take up to like eight to 10 weeks according to, to some people who've gone down that route. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm still planning to go to Kenya and on thir this Thursday. So I need to get this, whatever's going on with my leg looked at before I go. Um, so I sent an email to living room health and they initially got back to me and said, Oh, we can't really help you because we don't scan the femur. Um, they only do like hip and lower back. Um, but then I spoke to somebody else and they were like, if it's if your pain is at the top of your femur, which for me it is, I can almost pinpoint it um, with my finger. Just it's between I'd say it's about five centimeters down from my hip is where I'm feeling the pain. Um, if they, they said if it if it's really high up in the femur, then if we do a hip scan, it should still show up. Um, so mm. I'm, I'm basically going to go and, and get my hip and I guess the sacrum area scan tonight um to see to see what's going on um but i also spoke to uh, to other runners who had had the same sort of injury so um tom you let me know about jonty yeah um, who's you said he just recovered from like two weeks he had two weeks off because he had a stress reaction and i spoke to him i explained my symptoms he said yeah that sounds pretty similar to what i had i'd recommend going and doing this getting this looked at and he also passed me on to his uh, bone specialist or physio that he spoke to, um, who I then uh, messaged on Instagram again, told him what I'd been feeling. And, and then um, he gave me a few little like 
exercises to try in, in terms of like, do you feel pain when you hop on one leg? Do you feel pain when you sort of put pressure on your femur in a certain way? So I had to like put, make a lever basically under my leg and then push mm. down on my knee, which basically would put stress through that bone um, to determine if I could feel any pain in the, in the femur. And I was like, yeah, I can, I can feel it when I do that. So having the, had that conversation, they were like, yeah, it probably, it could be a stress reaction slash fracture. Um, and he basically told me from, from that point, it's all about managing it. Um, I described my symptoms and, and the, like the level of pain and like, I could hop on one leg, I could still run all that. So he wasn't too concerned in terms of like, this is a major injury. You need to stop everything. He basically advised me that management is the best, is the best way forward in terms of the next two weeks until you can get a scan so yeah. from that from that conversation i just took like i'm not going to run anymore the impact of running is obviously not helping me heal uh, so i've just done some um some cross training so the elliptical and i've done quite a lot of swimming over the last few days just to just to keep me sane really so i can still do some cardiovascular fitness um but the main thing is i'm not weight bearing i'm not going out and pounding the pavement for 20 30k a day so um yeah, that was basically the process. Booked in with a scan tonight. Uh, only took like a couple of days to get that. I'll get an MRI scan and then they'll give me the results in, in a couple of days. And we can go from there. Yeah. But um, And where, where, where do you stand with the Kenya trip with this then? I know you said you're still planning to go. But yeah, yeah. is that, you, you might already, <laughs> you might already be on a flight to, you know, out there yeah. when you get the scan results pinged into your email. So have you, have you allowed yourself to think about like, that scenario and what will you know how you'd manage it whilst you're out there because you're obviously going there for a very immersive training camp experience it's it's not even like the last trip that you went on where you were there for a couple of weeks it was a bit of like a not a PR trip but it it sort of was yeah. in a way you know you're not there for a immersive six-week training camp like you're planning to go and do now no have you yeah, yeah. you're not there for a good time you're there for a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Have you, have you allowed yourself to think about that and how like, you know, altitude, I, again, I'm not an expert, but I know that altitude obviously impacts uh, recovery and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah. How, how are you fixed on that front? Yeah. Uh, basically long, long story short is I'm, I'm definitely still going to go for the six week period. Um, yeah. And it will probably just end up being more of like a um, Sorry. Hello, hello. Hello. Can hello. you hear me? Yeah. You cut out. There you cut out. You literally said, "I'm still going for the six weeks," and then you cut out. Yeah. Sorry about that. I got a phone call. I think it probably cut the audio. Um. Yeah. Go I'm ahead. still planning to go. It probably be more of a rehab camp. Um. The good thing is, over the last four or five days of not running, I've been doing cross training, and it's it doesn't hurt at all when I'm cross training, and it's not getting any worse. We felt like it's got any better. I can still feel a bit of an awareness when I'm like going up the stairs and stuff like that. Um, so again, we'll, I'll discuss that with them tonight, whether I can still cross train, but um, in terms of, in terms of going to Kenya, I'll still go. I probably won't do much running while I'm out there, at least in the first few weeks. Hopefully I can start building things back. Um, and worst case scenario, if I can't do anything, then I'll just, it will still be nice to be out there and amongst like the running culture. And I plan I've got some ideas in terms of like I can make some documentaries about about local runners. I'll have all mm. my camera gear with me. Um, most of the time it's when I'm in front of the camera, it's hard to make like high quality piece of content. But if I'm the one holding the camera, 
and like documenting like a Thursday fartlek session, I think that could still be quite a cool piece of content that I could make if worst case scenario, I can't, can't do the running myself. So I'm still going, I'll still have a good six week period up there, but I'm not sure how, how it looks in terms of training yet, but I'll, I'll get more of a, um, an understanding after tonight's, um, scan hopefully. Yeah. Cool. Decent. Right. I, I guess a nice segue on this is to you, Tom, cause you're at the other end of the, <laughs> you're at the, the, the other end of the, um, process, if you will, what you've been up to, what you've been up to generally, by the way, you've been doing any events or I saw you taking yeah. some pictures of John T set up a tree or something like that. If I saw correctly. <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's about accurate. First of all, uh, social media is amazing, isn't it? Just like hearing you talk about that whole process, Ben, of finding a physio, speaking to another injured runner who had had potentially the exact same thing that you've got. And, you know, just the different little connections you can make that way is, uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? How quickly you can get to like an absolute specialist in the field of something in the thing that you're interested in mm. or that you're concerned about. Um, but yeah, we, we had a big shoot at, work last week so on the tuesday and the wednesday um during storm babette we were <laughs> in epping forest in the absolute pissing rain like horizontal rain like 40 mile per hour gusts it was pretty brutal to be honest um but it was for yeah the, the pro direct like winter campaign so for the clock change moment every sort of key moment in the year we'll try and have like a uh pre-roll advert that will go on youtube and across socials and that kind of thing so this was that and that's why we're taking pictures of john t sitting up in a in a tree um so that was fun met some lovely people on that or i've met most of the people before but like reconnected with them i suppose and um jess uh jessica vd on on instagram who's actually just qualified for the uh iron man world championships i believe wow um which is pretty amazing. Pretty She's good. an avid listener of the podcast, which I was quite surprised by. Um, so yeah, if you're listening, Jess, hello. <laughs> uh, and thanks for, thanks for listening. Um, but that's pretty much it from a work standpoint, to be honest, that was big. Well, that's all week. you've done in two weeks. I thought you're busy, mate. It's why we can't record this bloody podcast. What, well, what else you been doing, mate? Come on, rack your brains. The, the other good part. Uh, so summer did her first end of term, assembly how was that very cute well it was a bit of a traumatic story getting there i was on the train uh which was 40 minutes late and i was you know when the trains just go really slow and keep stopping mm. in the middle of nowhere with no real announcement of what's going on or why um so i was on the train to bath which normally takes 12 minutes but it was already late and then it was going really slowly we didn't get into bath until the time the assembly was meant to start so I absolutely sprinted out of the out of the train doors to summer school, which is maybe about a K away. I wish I had my watch on because I reckon I was pushing like, you know, three minute K pace <laughs> on the way to the school. And uh, I got there like a couple minutes after the assembly started and I was allowed in. But I had to I had to walk through all of the kids that were sat on the floor in dead silence and the, to where the parents were sat at the back and everybody's staring at me. And then because I sprinted there and then gone straight into a, a very warm assembly hall and I was wearing quite a warm jumper, I just started sweating profusely as soon as I stopped and stood still. So it wasn't the the most ideal circumstance to begin with. Um, but yeah, they sang some songs. They sang a song about a squirrel. 
they sang, what else did they do? They sang a song about uh, the joy of life, which was nice. And that was it, really. It only lasted about 20 minutes. Wholesome stuff. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it was very wholesome. But uh, yeah, was it, was it Was it Harvest? Harvest Festival? No. What's that? End of term. You don't know what Harvest Festival is? You never used to do that at school? I think oh, it rings a bell a little maybe, bit. Actually. Is it when you bring in yeah. like tins of crap that you got set, you got to give to the local food shelter? Like bread and right, stuff. Right, right. Just for, for legal reasons, when Ben, who actually is a nice guy, said tins of crap for the homeless people, <laughs> all right, he didn't actually mean that. He meant he meant it was undesirable items in his house that were probably valuable to someone less fortunate. Yeah, what that's, what, that's what I meant. Thanks, Callum. Right. That's all right, Ben. Tins Looking after crap. you, mate. 10% of your next brand deal for keeping your Im- image alive there, mate. Um, no, ha- Harvest is in October, I think, Harvest Festival. It used to be in, like, this time of year, so I wondered whether what the assembly was for. But what? It was just a little class assembly, was it? Uh, end, yeah, end of term. So first term is done, so it's half term now. Half um, term, half term. Yeah. yeah, that's the job. So, yeah, it was good. It was very wholesome. But that's outside of running. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Very nice. Very nice. And... and um, What's the what's kind of the the upcoming stuff pro direct work wise? You got any exciting trips? Uh, nothing confirmed at the moment. There's obviously quite a lot coming up imminently from uh, mainly towards the end of the end of this year, start of next year, like some big product bits and bobs, um, and then Valencia in December, uh, London Marathon in April, which is looking like it's probably going to be a pretty big, pretty big deal. Um, there's always stuff going on, but yeah, in terms of product wise, um, you've got Nova Blast 4, which is coming really soon. Oh, yeah, seen really that. soon, in fact. Yeah, uh, I've got an on... email from, uh, from Asics in the week saying they've got a new shoe to send me, so that's probably it. Mm. Yeah, that would be, be good. Probably I won't see it until I'm back, green. though. But... Yeah, bright, bright green, green is that what they've flashed yeah. on their Instagram today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so Nova Blast 4, you've got the on-cloud Eclipse as well, which you've been testing as well, I think, haven't you, Ben? I have, yeah. It's yeah, a bloody good that, shoe. That, yeah, say. that comes out very soon. Very, very soon. Um, it's in November, isn't it? 2nd of November, yeah, something like that? November the 2nd, I believe. That's yeah. that's out. Um, I've got some content lined up for then, which shows me running, which will be interesting. So it's, <laughs> it's weird with um, content that... You sh- I shoot a lot of content basically that then has to be approved by brands and then it comes out like oh, four weeks later or something like that mm. and it's it's almost like completely irrelevant to me now because it's so it's like old piece of content so like I'm running in the UK the, the sun's out whereas when when the content goes live I'll be not running and I'll be in Kenya so it'll look a bit weird when it just pops up on my feed but anyway yeah um but yeah that's that's pretty much it but running wise things have Things have picked up quite nicely, to be honest. Um, I had a good call with Rose. I can't can't remember if you mentioned this on the on the last podcast or not, but I got sign off to responsibly start increasing like volume and start introducing a few little sessions and that kind of thing. So um, last week I did well. How much did I run last week? Um, did about 38, 39k. And I did within that my first little session, which was just 10 by minute on minute off. Um, nothing crazy, but beautiful morning for it. Like like you say, Ben, it was the first properly cold, crisp type weather. Yeah, um, I love running in those conditions. Oh, it's it feels so nice. Yeah. yeah, my absolute favorite. 
So yeah, it was fairly conservative to be honest. I think the reps for the minute ons were uh, three from about three thirty to three twenty ish is like the the quickest. Which bearing in mind this is the first bit of running I've done quicker than four minute K pace for well yeah like seven eight months I think. Um, I was quite happy with how easy it felt like pace wise. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just breathing like towards the last couple of reps, like a minute wasn't long enough to recover from a minute effort. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that's when, you know, you're not, you're not particularly fit <laughs> at that moment in time, but it was really nice just to tick over and like get into the whole routine of doing the session, like going down to the loop, doing a little warm up, doing some drills and strides, changing shoes, like that whole little setup. Uh, I missed it. I really love getting into that, that little zone. So it was nice to, yeah, feel that again. See the post lady? She's still doing the rounds? See, no, I didn't. I haven't seen her for a while, actually. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if I'll, I'll catch a glimpse of her when I'm back doing sessions more regularly around that loop in the mornings. Because um, she Hopefully was a pretty permanent fixture. Yeah. You know what? You know what's mad, Tom? Just looking at your Strava. Did you see the comment from the guy who has been following you since 2012 in your freestyle football days? Where's that? Oh, yeah. Nicholas On- Sidorov. On easy on the easy five miler. Yeah. After. Hey Tom, just yeah. found you here on Strava. Been following you since 2012 in your freestyle football years. It looks like I will continue to follow <laughs> you here. That's mental. That's 11 years ago. Sending wow. regards from the community in Bulgaria. Oh, shout out! What a hero! Big up anyway, Bulgarian um... freestylers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was a pretty good week to be honest. Four four days of running, um, two gym sessions. And then the week just gone. Yeah, because it's Tuesday today, isn't it? Yeah, the week just gone. I did um, a little 5K. I called it a a tempo. It wasn't really a tempo. It felt like a tempo for the first couple of K. And then it got pretty bloody hard, to be honest, by the end. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to do a little bit more of like a a sustained effort rather than minute on, minute off, where you Mm -hmm. can, like I said last time, you can fake fitness a bit with that, can't you? Um, you can't really fake like a sustained period at a steadier effort. So I did 5K, uh, 343 average, um, which, yeah, it's, I didn't know exactly how it was going to feel doing, you know, like a, a steadier sustained effort, but it's probably about where I was hoping I'd be at off very, very minimal, minimal running um, and not really any type of speed work. Um, yeah, that's great. Six minute miles, three miles gives you a good indicator. You know, yes. 1840, you can repeat this maybe once a week and just gradually yeah. see if you get a bit fitter. Um, yeah, no, that looks good, mate. Yeah, it's a good it's a good little base and I'm carbon free at the moment as well. Just, you know, from talking to Rose about various studies that are going on at the moment with like uh, carbon plates and uh, high stacks in relation to bone stress injuries and that kind of thing. At the moment, I don't need to be lacing up in the spankiest carbon plated shoe that I've got and doing it for a, like a 5K little tester, you know? So um, just trying to play it a little bit more safe at the moment. And the first, like I say, the first couple of K felt great. I was like surprised by how cruisy it felt. And I wanted to, um, I said on Strava, I wanted to push the pace a bit more and make it like a progressive one and end, you know, in like 320s. But I'm very glad I didn't because it, it started to get a bit grindy towards the end. 
to be honest, just from a breathing standpoint, legs, legs were absolutely fine, but just, yeah, chest got a bit tight and like breathing was a lot heavier towards the end. Um, but yeah, a nice little line in the sand, I suppose, if you will, and something to build on at least. Um, yeah. And then you did a long run as well. Yeah. So I did my longest run, um, did 10 miles on Sunday, uh, the Sunday just gone where we started really, really easy. Uh, so Chris, who I did the run with, he's got cross, uh, cross country coming up and he did a session in spikes on grass for the first time in about a year, uh, the day before this run. So he was a bit sore. I wanted to take it pretty easy to start with just after doing that, you know, that like longer effort or the slightly faster effort the day before. Um, so yeah, the first K was 521, which is, yeah, that's impressive, isn't it? Um, and then just gradually sort of progressed from there, to be honest, and ended, uh, you know, low four minutes, 3.50-ish for the last K, I think. Um, and felt, yeah, felt really good on this run, to be honest. Really nice little loop, great conditions, longest run back, uh, and my biggest run, uh, biggest week of mileage back since the, since the injury as well. So uh, happy days all round, really. Good stuff. Lovely man. stuff, mate. What's the, uh, what's the progression from here? Still one session, you're going to try and get one session a week in now then or? Yeah, yeah. So I think loosely it's going to be four runs, maybe five, maybe five this week, depending on how I feel, but just one actual proper bona fide session. Um, have, you got any, have you got any hills near you? Yeah, lots of hills. Mate, you've got to get on lots the hills, trust me. Hills yeah. that you'll get so fit relative to the like low impact on your body. Like running uphill is so like m- much better for you compared to running on the flat yeah, in terms of like the impact on your body but obviously your lungs are going to be burning and you're kind of <laughs> also doing a bit of strength work in the sense that you're pulling your your body up uphill yeah. so yeah get in once a week if i were you i would just you know just smash yourself on the hills once a week yeah i think that might be the approach going forwards to be honest because i don't want to be like thinking of what sessions to do like this week i was thinking of doing like five by three minutes just because it's a little progression on uh 10 by a minute like three minutes at a faster clip you know it it shows it shows what you're made of a little bit more doesn't it like you can't you can't just slog out a three minute rep time and time again you've got to pace it properly whereas with a minute you can sort of get away with it so i reckon Doing a session like that and then just doing um, some hills, like easy plus hills or something would probably be a good good approach. Um, yeah, something where you don't have to compare paces. You know, hills yeah. are just effort. It's like, look, right, I'm doing, you know, eight times 200-meter hills or whatever. I'm going to run them at eight out of 10 effort. And then, you yeah. know, each one's going to be a bit harder than the last one. You don't have to worry about pace. You don't have to get down about the fact you were slower than last week or you've done this session before at this pace or whatever. It's just quite good honest work you know yeah Yeah, definitely and that's what i need at the moment like i don't need to be looking at splits really at all yeah and i haven't been like on on that 5k my watch was covered under long sleeve for the whole for the whole thing really i think i looked at the split of the first k just to make sure that i wasn't either running way too fast or way too slow because that that was the thing actually like judging pace on that 5k effort was incredibly hard for the first few minutes like I didn't have a clue what pace I was running. It could have been way too fast. It could have been 420s and it, I wouldn't have really been able to to tell the difference until, uh, you know, you're a few K in and you kind of find a bit of a groove and you remember what that sort of six minute miling type pace feels like. 
So that was a bit weird. That was a bit disorientating. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's just about doing some honest work at the moment and gradually building up and not getting too ahead of myself. Like I could have easily done 20K on Sunday, just gone, because it felt felt great. Like we were both feeling pretty decent by the end. Like it would have been so easy to have just done like an extra loop around the town or something. But I think, yeah, I just need to stay sensible now um, and just gradually build it up over the next four to six weeks or so. Yeah. And I should get, yeah, I should get pretty fit, hopefully. What's the what, what's the gym routine saying right now? Yeah, so gym's still twice a week. I only went once last week, which I'm not come that on, come on, happy mate. about. Yeah, which is, th- that's what I mean. I need to, that needs to be priority almost over the running, to be honest. Yeah. Like if I look- ran three times a week, but I went to the gym twice, for me, that's that should be way better. That should be seen as way more successful than if I run five times in a week, but only go to the gym once. Agreed, you know? agreed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, generally the gym's progressing quite nicely. I'm getting stronger, which is obviously good for bone density and all that kind of stuff, which is what I'm looking for. Um, and I'm enjoying it a lot more as well. Like I've, the exercise. Got your uh, routine now. Yeah. Once, once you get in the gym, it's tough to get there. But once I'm there, it's like I could stay there for longer than I than I need to, if that makes sense. I could do a couple of extra exercises or just some like basic balancing stuff or mobility work quite happily. Um, it's a big mental shift, I think. A lot of people with strength work getting into it's hard. That mm. The thing that I found most useful to, to start doing it religiously is understanding that a that a gym session is as valuable as a run because yeah. a lot of people that love running and love going outdoors and getting the miles in they love seeing the strava graph go up and feel accomplished by kind of the higher metrics that's what motivates a lot of people to get out and do the training it's like oh well i wanted 60 miles for this week i'm on 55 great i'll get out and do my five mile run whereas i think as soon as you start valuing a gym session as an equal to a run then you wouldn't go and miss your run you know, you'd be motivated to do it because you think, oh, I'm doing it because I'm getting better for this reason or because, you know, I want to go to the gym and lift 10 kg more than I did last week. And you've got to kind of gamify it a little bit for yourself, yeah. I think, to to be able to do it. But in your case, it's, you know, the evidence is there that you weren't bulletproofed enough before for the running that you wanted to do. So even if you get back to that running volume level you are at before, you're going to be susceptible to injury. So you've got to, you know, yeah. really, really bulletproof yourself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's good to... You know, just having this podcast is good accountability and having Rose there constantly as well to, to talk to and to ask questions and all of that kind of stuff. Like it makes it so much harder to skip the gym because like, I know if I do that, I have to have a catch up call with Rose or I have to jump on this podcast with you boys. And if I haven't been to the gym for three weeks, then <laughs> like, it, it, you know, that's not that's not conducive to me going forward uh, injury free, is it? So yeah, it's good to have that accountability and it's good to just, you know, get it done and be sort of enjoying it. Um, Definitely. Yeah, that's that's where we're at at the moment. Gradually increase the, the volume, get the long run a bit longer, uh, get the easy runs a little bit longer. Um, and, and, yeah, and don't neglect the, the little things that got you to the point, like your gym work and your easy runs and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, it's easy definitely. to be like, oh, I'm back now. I can just hack off the gym. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, sounds good, mate moving in the right direction yeah feels like it it does feel like it class well i'm conscious of time so shall i we've got a couple of big news items that we want to chat about that kind of will go out of date if we don't mention them on this episode so um (laughs) shall i fly through a a couple of sessions from my weeks 
Um, as a summary, I basically started running a bit further for the next, well, for the last two weeks, I've done 84, 85 miles. I'll probably do the same this week as of recording. And then I get back into some racing and stuff. So it's been a bit of like a little higher volume sort of stint, um, which was always the plan for the winter, to be honest, was to try and run more than I did last year. It was just very disrupted with having like the the road mile championships, the world champs, like that sort of stuff stopped me from kind of getting into the groove um, with this kind of training. So I won't run through all the easy running and all that sort of stuff. That's basically just the same as I always do. The sessions have just got a little bit longer. Um, so two weeks ago, my sessions were, I did four by 10 minutes at threshold. So that was, Classic. Uh, that was, yeah, between 4.53 and five minute miling kind of progressed down each rep. Uh, that was really good because the main group session was 10 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. So for like 25 minutes, I basically had good company. And then uh, a couple of us stayed in and did um, four times 10. So, yeah, you'll literally all these sessions are, are pretty basic stuff, to be honest. But it's just a bit more running than I normally do. So that was a four times 10. And then the session to complement that was um, on a Friday, which was a fart like on the grass. So it was five sets of one minute hard um like eff- uh, did this all on effort not pace basically so one minute harder three minutes at threshold tempo and then another minute harder um with kind of 30 seconds of easy run pace so not a recovery where you'd be doing like eight minute miles but like a 6:45, seven minute normal easy run pace um and i did five sets of that so that was like 25 minutes work just getting in some um specific stuff on the grass um for the next couple of weeks just to get ready for cross um and then my long runs which i won't go into detail of essentially were just 16 or 17 miles so a bit longer than i would usually do um and they had some progressive running in the middle so like steady state running between kind of 515 and 545s um probably averaged around 530 535 um nice are these sort of like structured long runs set by nick your coach or are they kind of like you do them to more to feel no, no, no. They're all set. Yeah, they're all set. So this one was, that's why I did nine miles. So that was specifically supposed to just be nine miles of progression yeah. in a 16 miler. And then the following week was 17 miles with um, 10 miles of progressive stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah if, I've, if I've got an easy long run, then I just take it, you know, completely easy. Like I don't get any faster than like 620, 630 a mile. Um, mm. But this is our way of kind of not doing three sessions a week but basically doing like two and a half sessions so it's just adding a bit more quality to the week with a bit of um sort of like steady state running which honestly that pace i feel like i could run forever it's like not too taxing and then i'm easily recovered for the tuesday um so rather than doing like a hard tuesday thursday saturday and then a sunday long run which is kind of the traditional like british club model I kind of do more of the american style of like tuesday friday are the hard workouts and then sunday is like a medium long run i'd call it yeah, like yeah. A, a medium effort long run um, the next week was basically the exact same except the sessions obviously changed so the tuesday session this time was a bit faster than threshold this was um five sets of four minutes 75 seconds rest and then two minutes and we did these pretty fast we probably ran about around 10k ish pace for the four minute reps and then like around 5k ish pace for the two minute reps uh, this was a really good session actually um the yeah 30 minutes of volume uh me and jack were, were were floating around it was good conditions for this one um so yeah kind of a bit of faster pace work rather than 
threshold tempo stuff, which meant that the Friday was my kind of thresholdy day where I've put it down as laps. I think it's probably a lap is about three minutes if you do it hard. So it was basically like three minutes um, at or slightly below threshold. So probably like 445, 450 miling. And then another lap at a little bit slower, more of a float, more like 520, 515 miling. Um, so kind of like six sets of three minutes on, three minutes off, that kind of vibe. Seven miles of work at five minute miling, five and five miling. Um, so yeah, pretty solid. And then yeah, did another long run as mentioned. So two almost identical weeks, to be honest, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday with sessions and long run. And then just a little bit more um, easy running here and there to boost the volume up. Um, and that I think I've not got my week for this week yet, my full week, but I'll have a session Tuesday and Friday, and then I'm not sure what the long run will be on Sunday. But yeah, just three solid weeks of training for me um, at a slightly higher volume. And then November, which starts next week as of recording, um, I've got three races in November. So that'll be a slightly lower volume than what I'm on, but still maintain some good training and then try to really get the training stimulus from the, the three hard races rather than smashing all the workouts in. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's a whistle stop tour of my training. Nothing really to report. No, but a couple of things like over the over the summer. Obviously, you raced quite quite a bit. You know, it was it was fairly thick and fast for you. What type of training do you prefer? Like, do you like the longer, more grindy winter stuff, or or is summer more your bag? Where you're you know still doing the hard sessions in between races, but then in a race week, it's more just sharpening and you know, that kind of stuff. I like both. I think it's way more chilled in the winter. Like it, mm. it, it just is a fact that it's far easier to run five minute miles than it is to run sub four minute miling. So like yeah. when I'm, if it's a Tuesday, like, so we're recording now Tuesday lunchtime, I've got a session tonight. It's something like eight times five minutes, but I know I'm not going to need to run any faster than say 445, 450 miling. I know that is within or should be for it to be a successful session within my comfort zone. So I'm not like thinking about the session or like getting up for it or kind of like approaching it with like, oh, I better make sure I eat at this time or do whatever. Whereas if this was a Tuesday in the summer and I've got say um, four times 400, four times 300 or something, which sounds a lot easier, but Nick wants me to run 52 seconds for four of the 400s, then I'll be like way more concerned about that. And I'll be treating this whole Tuesday like, almost like I'm preparing for a race in that sense because yeah. I know that it's a going to be a really hard session um so yeah I, I guess both I like how chilled and sort of like almost like the monotony of the winter um but the reason I train and, and we all train is to race right and that's when it's fun traveling and racing and doing stuff so I'm excited for November to be fair because um it'll be good to see how my training has progressed and compare some of my kind of cross-country results to last year to get an idea of you know where I stand and hopefully I should be a lot stronger than I was but um the proof's in the pudding yeah lovely jubbly yeah good stuff um, right and the other the, hang on the other really important thing did we did we talk about I genuinely can't remember anything about the last episode did we talk about Alice and her race oh no we didn't actually I didn't put that on the results when was that oh no we, that's since the last one yeah 15th of October that was oh yeah she um, had a decent 10k yeah yeah Damn, very well didn't she 40 yeah, something minutes very impressive. yeah I mean she, so before anyone thinks that I'm that guy that like is, is, isn't supportive or whatever, whatever, Alice did amazingly and she like trains more kind of 
her training is like what keeps her life on track. If you know what I mean, she loves doing exercise. She looks, she likes having something away from work, different kind of passion, going out and doing stuff, whatever. Like most people, kind of running has become a real nice hobby that she enjoys. Mm. Um, and she does, you know, religiously does one long run a week, does one kind of like interval session a week. Uh, and she ran amazingly. So she, officially she ran 40-44. But for anyone that was at the Cambridge Town and Gown 10K, that course was horrendously short. Oh, like, yeah. It, so with her, her, for, for context, for context, Alice was like, and bear in mind, I'm, I'm, I know a, a bit about running. Like, I'm not going to tell her she can't, like, I keep it realistic with her. She was like, look, mm. if I can run under 44 minutes, like that's my goal. And if I can run close to 43 minutes, I'll be like really happy. Like I'll be, you know, that was her like serious goal. So to run two and a bit minutes quicker than that is like more than just, oh, wow, you smashed it on the day. And if you compare all the results, like there was four or five guys from my group that ran who came to the session on Tuesday and went, yeah, yeah, I ran really well. But like, there's that's, you know what I mean? That's the best I will ever run a yeah. 10K. There was guys running the 10K at close to their 5K PB pace, if you see what I mean. So yeah, amazing day for it. Weather conditions were perfect. The course is pretty fast. Um, but it was probably more like a 9.8k. So that being said, even if you add, say, 40 seconds to Alice's time, she still absolutely smashed it. Um, yeah. And pro- probably ran like, I don't know, 41.30 or 41.45, which is still bloody amazing for your first ever 10k. Do um, those um, results go in your power of 10? Yeah. I'll so so how, how I think it works is once you get a certification for a race, I don't think it needs renewing every year. I think it lasts oh, a certain okay. amount of time. So in the case of, say, Cambridge Town and Gown, and I'm, by the way, if the organizer or anyone listening, because they did reach out to me about a place before this, I'm not shitting on the event because it sat, it looked really good and I was there and people loved it. I'm just saying the course was factually short. Um, there is an out and back section and often in races where there's an out and back, if you get that slightly wrong where the turning needs to be, then you're kind of out by double, if you know what I mean, because they've not run further enough out and then they've not run further enough back. It's not like just cutting a corner or something. So I have a mm. feeling that's where it maybe went wrong. But um, yeah, shout out to people that did. I mean, the guy that won, um, Jack Miller, great athlete, Jack, and probably is capable of running 29, 25 or whatever he did. The guy's got some amazing cross-country races. But on that day by yourself, do I believe he ran 29, 25? Like, no, not really. Um and same with a lot of the other results as well. But um, my, one yeah. of my teammates actually came second, Callum Charleston. There you go. He Callum ran 30.05. We did a session on the, the week together. I thought he runs for Aldershot. He does run for Aldershot, yeah, but he trains oh, okay. it. He lives and trains at Chelmsford. So. Yeah, so sh- shout out to him. And uh, yeah, not, not shitting on him at all. Great runner. He do, he's a good middle distance athlete uh, and probably is a 30 minute 10K runner. Yeah. Um, and he got sent the wrong way, didn't he? He did, yeah. He, yeah, he got sent the wrong way. Um, but. Yeah, I'm sorry that course wasn't taken. <laughs> I did see some interesting <laughs> results. Another lad from Essex, um, Shane, his name is, he ran like a minute PB and he just straight up admitted like, it's a bit of a shame that the course was short because he was he was on for a PB, but he's yeah. he's certainly not going to take it in terms of... That, that's, the, that's the thing. That's what we were all saying is annoying because like it's annoying in two ways. One, if you were going to get a legitimate PB, especially if you're like a 31-minute runner or something, then the it's probably only out by 15, 20 seconds. So yeah. you might have been on for a big PB. And now you're like, oh, yeah, well, technically I was going to get a PB or whatever. And also for a lot of people, if you're like a V45 athlete or something, you've now got a PB you might never beat in your life because it's, it's not a 10K. Yeah. So actually you're like going to go to all these races and you're never going to be able to say, oh, I got a PB or <laughs> ring that ring that PB bell because you've bloody done a 9.8K. And it's not your fault. You know, it's the organizer's fault. You can only run the course that's given to you. So, um, 
yeah, bit of a rabbit hole there, but shout out Alice. She doesn't listen to this and she's not in right now, but so she'll never hear this. But well done anyway. Brilliant. Um, well, it's nice yeah, to, to know that we care work. about her. Yeah, good, great work. Should we um, um, go into some running news then? Quickly yeah, shoot sh- through some. Should we just sack off the results, do you think? How long have you got, Tom? Uh, what's the time? I could give like, another 15, 20 minutes, something like that. Should, All we, right. should we start with some more pressing news and then if we've got time, we'll talk yeah, through I the reckon- results. Results, if anyone's interested, go and Google Valencia Half Marathon, Bath Half Marathon, <laughs> Manchester Half Marathon, and Amsterdam Marathon. There was some all right stuff. Valencia was sick. The others are all pretty, like, okay. Um, but mm. more pressing news, Ben. I'll leave you to introduce. Yeah. What's the pressing news? The pressing news is the Inga Britson story that's that's broke this week. The, th- right. the, three, the three brothers have come out and, and basically said their, their father, Gert, who was their coach until 2022, um... They haven't said he was abusive, but they've kind of um, pointed towards him being aggressive and like they feared him in training and it, it just wasn't the best setup. Um, so they've since like um, had a big, big fallout with their with their dad, their coach. They're not being coached by him anymore. And it's sort of all in the news at the moment. Um, there's no criminal charges being pressed uh, against Gert for for any of his actions that he may or may not have done with, with his children and his coaching, um, which is interesting. But the the brothers have come out, well, three of the brothers, I think there's there's actually five Inga Britson um, mm. siblings and, and three of them are, are more focused on the on the athletics. Um, but yeah, Jakob, Henrik and uh, Philip have come out and said basically a statement saying that they're not going to be coached by him anymore and they don't want anything to do with him because because of the way he treated them and they were younger athletes, which is which is interesting. It's interesting this. So um, I don't think I said this on the podcast before, but I think I alluded to the fact that I'd heard a few rumours and stuff. And I guess now it, it makes sense because one of the reasons that I was told by some pretty high-level athletes um, at a meet about uh, the splitting up and stuff is that Gert had always been the same. And this kind of lines up with what they said in the article. Like, the, But the the brothers had just become like used to it and kind of accepted that's how it was yeah. but their their youngest sister i forget her name like elsa ingrid ingrid, ingrid, ingrid yeah. Go, yeah she um she was also running and up until a few years ago was like taking it pretty serious and stuff and apparently or allegedly there was some kind of uh intimidation slash uh uh abuse slash you know aggressiveness towards the sister from mm. from the dad and i think that's where the brothers kind of they they said in their their quote they said um in retrospect we realize it was naive but two years ago the same aggression and physical punishment struck again it was the drop that made the cup run over so basically something happened that was kind of the, the camel the straw that broke the camel's back mm. uh, and made them made them sort of sack it off but i think the reason they might have come out with it now is that going into an Olympic year. I don't know if you guys saw that Gert has been uh, like not selected by Norway as one of the official coaches. Oh, um, interesting. So like he's, oh, wow. he's not, you know how like in the UK, you're like UK athletics registered or whatever. He's, and you're a UK athletics coach. He's not like a Norwegian official coach. So he won't be able to get in to like um, the Norway team camp and stuff for like Olympics, world champs, all that sort of thing. Um, and at one of the diamond leagues, he also wasn't allowed into the stadium. And that yeah. now makes sense that Jakob probably requested, like, I've got this issue going on with my father. Like, I don't want him to be there. If you want me to race, he oh. can't be there. And similarly, if you're the Norwegian Federation and you know that that kind of thing might have gone on or there's an accusation, 
then, you know, that that's I guess that's kind of why. So I think this is as much as we joke and shit on this podcast, and like people want to take digs at Jakob for whatever reason. This is a pretty um, harrowing issue, to be fair. Like it's not nice to yeah. see anyone fall out with their family, no matter if there's true four lies on both sides. It's it's just a bit shit, isn't it? Did, yeah, did you boys ever uh, ever watch the? It wasn't called Keeping Up with the Ingebrigtsen. Yeah, but... meet meet the Ingebrigtsen. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. yeah. All, yeah, I remember watching all of those episodes on um, on YouTube, and it, it goes back quite far, doesn't it? I can't remember when the first episode. Yeah, Jakob's like Jakob's that. like twelve, so it's very like, young. It's like ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah that's... Ing- Ingrid's like a baby in some of them and stuff. Like it's well, not an actual baby, but you know what I mean. She's yeah, a yeah. toddler. Um, and yeah, like obviously it's a reality TV show at the end of the day, but you can you can obviously tell there that their relationship is. It's not a classic like father no, son not at all. type relationship. It's very like there's I think there was a scene with Henrik and Gert in the gym where Henrik was going through lots of injury issues. And it was yeah, it, it was quite abrupt. And that's what they showed on screen. So you can imagine, you know, behind closed doors, like yeah. what what it could have what it could have been like. But And I yeah. think I think when they refer to like violence and abusive behaviour, I don't necessarily think it's like Gert hitting them or like obviously we don't know at all in terms of what's going on and they're all allegations at the moment but I feel like it it could be more from a coaching standpoint like where they don't hit certain splits in a session and then they're forced to do like 50 press-ups that sort of thing but obviously at a scale that's now that needs to be talked about and now needs to be brought light of in terms of that's not the right thing to be doing but I don't know I feel like with coaching athletes i've i've seen before like even in in sessions that i've not been a part of but down at the track where like if a if somebody doesn't hit their splits then they have to do another rep as almost like a punishment oh, wow. so it's like old school. it is old school but like these these like techniques within in uh coaching are like like there's a reason for them if you don't hit a certain split like it's to basically teach discipline but i guess this has just been taken to the the next extreme um well, also when it's your dad, like it, it, you sh- I urge everyone to go on the Guardian and read read the article that they put out because it's some quite good quotes and stuff. Yeah, and basically like Gert, he gets his side of the story where basically he says, "Look, I've got the balance wrong over my years of being too much of a coach and not enough a father, and now yeah. it's too late. It's too yeah. late to undo any of that, and like that is a regret, which you understand. And at, but at the same time." And I, I am not, I'm not defending anyone in this situation like yeah. at all. And I do believe what they're saying. Of course, I do. But like the, the, the thing from his side of view is like, well, he set his three kids up for life by like letting them giving his life for their talents. If you know what I mean, and like helping them become the the Olympic champions and European champions and whatever that they have been. I guess you know, from his point of view, it must be pretty sad because he probably thought he was doing stuff for the best interests of his kids. And now it seemed that actually it's yeah. the very opposite and the whole family's kind of like fallen apart. But um, yeah, he, he he says like, I've not been violent and stuff. He's denied all the accusations. So it'll be interesting to see how it further escalates. Yeah, it's, it's how you define violence and stuff as well, isn't it? Like it, like you say, Ben, I, I doubt he's been around there, you know, laying a finger on them. But there's, there's well, I, 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 like. I did hear, right, again. <laughs> This is, Here we go. This is completely alleged, like completely allegedly. And I'm not for future. If this ever gets dug up in in future <laughs> situations, right? 
then I'm not on anyone's side. I'll train with anyone. I'm open to anyone. Nordas, you're listening. I'll train with you. Gert, train with you. Not a problem. Yeah. Jakob, hmm. anyone. Right. <laughs> but I did hear on decent authority that Jakob and his dad had a physical scrap. Like they actually had a fist fight. That's what I, I heard. But that's just, wow. just that's just alleged for you people. I think as well, though, right? Childhood trauma runs deep with this sort of stuff. So if you're that young as a as a young male in a modern day society and you've got that sort of relationship with your father where it's very i guess uh, what's the word i'm looking for it's like it's almost like you're in a contract with your with your dad yeah. as a as his as your coach as well like surely you get to a certain age where you've got you know they've all they're all married now i believe uh they've philip and henrik have got kids i'm sure jacob will have little mini jacobs running around without too long like you must get to a point where you realise you're your own person. You look back on previous situations and think, oh, that, maybe that wasn't like normal, that relationship. And maybe that wasn't quite right and start questioning it. And that's when things, yeah, go south very quickly, isn't it? When you've got those conflicts that arise that maybe happened when you were a lot, a lot younger. So it's, it's an interesting story. Like you say, there's been whispers of it for a long, long, long time, haven't there? So for them to officially come out is pretty, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Hmm. Mm. Do you think anything else but, will happen or do you reckon it will just be a case of they've set the story straight now and they're just going to crack on and train themselves? I don't know. I don't know because obviously there's the whole Nordas part of it where ultimately mm. you've got to remember he's also a world bronze medalist mm. um, and a world-class athlete in his own right. So will he want his coach to be at the Olympics? Will he want his coach to be at all these meets? Will it affect him that now every time he's with his coach, people will be looking and saying, oh, he, you know, whispers of he's done blah, 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 or we read this about him. Like, you got to think about it. He, you know, Nordas is an innocent party in this situation. He's just mm. being coached by whoever he thinks is most suitable for him. Um, So, you know, if I was his team, I'd be kind of thinking, hang on a minute, like, what we just this guy gets to say one thing and that means that it has this impact on us like we either take it to a proper procedure and you we have some evidence and we make this a massive deal or you guys need to suck it up and like this coach is still going to be you know supporting my athlete so yeah i don't yeah. i don't really know but um yeah it, it is a real shame but at the same time i think it might be a good kind of step forward for them because they'll get a lot of support as a result as they should um you know, from meet directors and the wider public to kind of put an arm around them and say, look, like, we'll, you know, make sure that we can limit the contact between you or, like, how can we make this easier for you and whatever. It's a mm. bit easier, the world knowing, isn't it, than um, kind of just having it between yourself and your agent and stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you've got, you've, you've got to hope it doesn't escalate any further and it is just like a case of absent father but incredibly good coach and eventually something had to give and this is what's, what's happened because... Like you say, if it you would hate for it to escalate further and then Nordas kind of be uh, tainted, if you like, by being involved with someone who's accused of, you know, some pretty bad things. If that do, makes sense. Do so we it's... do we think this proves that they're not doping? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Why? Because I was thinking about this, right? You know, people say like, oh, how they must be doing something, and like it's all a bit dodgy, and there's all these whisperings about what's going on. Well, mm. that's if you're going to dope, right? Surely there's like a big um, like circle of trust, right? Like, you know, the parties that know about it, like, right, us three know about it. Let's not tell anyone. This is our secret. Like, it stays between us. By having this massive rift, what is there to say that Gert, if, you know, didn't sort of feel, um, 
you know, feel like they'd they'd step too far and said, oh, well, ha- let me expose the the secrets. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they'd been doing something wrong, I don't think the brothers would feel like they had the 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 confidence to yeah, that's very to, true to, to come out against him. The 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 stakes are too big for them. Surely, like what does Gert lose? Nothing really. Mm. Like, but I'm... surely, surely, as their father, he he wouldn't come out and like. Yeah, I, I don't think, even if it was going on, I don't think either of them would accuse the other of, you know... He'd discredit both. Not, not right now, but then how... He'd discredit their yeah, how far could, yeah, how far could you push him now? I guess that's the thing, isn't it? I don't know, it just made me think, like, this whole time, the Inga Britson sort of, like, camp has been very um, closed and it's very secretive. It's like, we only mm. just started hearing about, like, types of double threshold that they do and this and that, and kind of we got an insight into what their lives are like. And now it feels like this could really open things up wider because it's not that close knit tight family circle anymore. It's like, actually we can do loads more interviews and stuff with Gert about how he coaches Nordas and what else he does. We can also hear more from the individual Inga Britson brothers and we're getting to know more of their like personality and emotional side and whatever. So I don't know. It just made me, I, I kind of, obviously it's bad circumstances, but I kind of like it in a way, the added transparency that we've got. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Who knows? I guess the the other big thing was about Bauman. Did you guys see that Grant Fisher left Bauman track club? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty big news. But I, yeah. I think that was kind of less um, unexpected from what I've heard. How how many? No, you didn't there? expect that. Surely you didn't expect that. Apparently, the basically the whole training groups moved, and yeah. he he basically wasn't happy with it, so he's quit. Well, are you have you listened to the coffee club uh, recent coffee club episode? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. See, so yeah, I think that's that's. Uh, an interesting source of information because obviously they've got similar to what I just did a second ago. They're really good at saying we know things and then not telling you how they know them. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I believe it, of course I do, but like, it's hard when they're like, Oh, we've got these sources and like, we know these pro athletes that have told us X, Y, and Z, um, yeah. which it's hard to know whether that's like actually true or not. So I know they said, Oh yeah, we got told like, yeah, Grant was going to leave or like we kind of knew someone was going to leave. But I think to the wider public, Bauman track club is still, like one of the best pro teams in the world and Grant Fisher is the best American runner in the world. Yeah. So I think that's still a mega, you know, like a mega move in an Olympic year, nine months away from the Olympics for him just to leave is pretty crazy. Yeah. Woody Woody left the group as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But Woody's not on Grant's level though of like, like Grant Fisher's like, he's like, the guy at Bauman, yeah, Jeremy, he's yeah. like the traditional, like won in CAA titles, then went to Stan- at Stanford, then went to Bauman, then, the became, boy. then became American record holder. That's like, I feel he he represents more than just a good athlete leaving. I think it's yeah. a symbol of like what Bauman once was, the childhood dream of like, wow, imagine joining Bauman, what, what a great life. Yeah. To now being like, actually, if the best athlete in the world can walk away from Bauman, then why should anyone else want to go there? Kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Any yeah. thoughts? thoughts tom um it's it's just interesting isn't it with like the controversy that uh that like those nike sponsored teams have been through obviously with the oregon project and then bauman and then did you see the only thing it made me think of (laughs) not to go too far down like the the doping route again but um craig engels like over the summer was doing those Instagram stories of encouraging athletes to post their like yeah their their portals their like uh, anti doping mm. portals of their any whereabouts claims that they'd had against them or any TUEs like you know prescription drugs that they'd been cleared to use or any of that kind of stuff and I found that 
interesting because he's obviously within those inner circles as deep as you can go. And for him to do that is probably, I don't know, if anybody was going to be a whistleblower on like that whole thing, I think he's probably going to be the guy that would come out and just drop an absolute bombshell that, you know, all of the secrets of Oregon Project, then Bauman and all that kind of stuff. So I'd, I'll be interested to see what, if that develops any further. Maybe, but you've got to remember Nike, Nike own Bauman, Nike um, own yeah. Oregon, Bauman, Eugene. They're just the kings of America, aren't they, Nike? Like to do something yeah. against them, it would take another brand to be able to match his very lucrative, I would imagine, contract and give him that security to then be able to turn against Nike, you know? Like, his Nike contract won't be out. He's chosen to leave Bauman for a very specific reason. And it, you'd, yeah. you'd think it's either something's gone on behind the scenes that he doesn't want to be associated with, i.e. doping, fallout, new teammates, whatever, or he genuinely thinks that he'll get better performance somewhere else either different team different location different coach whatever mm. uh, and yeah. therefore wants to move but yeah i think the next step will be super interesting because like i said if one of the best athletes in the world can just up sticks and move to another group whether he goes to a formal team or just like a group of good athletes or coaches himself or whatever he does i think will be good because we're starting to see like a um like the athletes are being spread out more across more groups so rather than just have Bauman where it was like, oh, five of the 10 guys in America and Europe that could run under 13 minutes were all in the same group. We're now going to have 10 different groups with a sub 13 runner or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I think for, for competition and branding wise and content and us as running fans, I think it's really good because we'll start to get way more competition between kind of the, the different teams and setups and stuff, which can only be a good thing, I think, rather than just, oh, who from Bauman is going to win this race kind of thing. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I'd be interested to see who he goes, if he goes with a new team or if he just plans to coach himself. Because as the coffee club guys were saying, was basically he's been at the pro level and he knows the level he's at now that he might just want to stick with his own training plan and own coaching. Now he knows what works for him in the past. I don't know if he'll feel the need to move to a new group because it's not necessarily like he's, he's leaving because the training is not working for him. Because obviously like last year he ran both 5 and 10k American records on the track so it'd be interesting to see where he goes if he wants to change his training or if he wants to stay where he is basically and just crack on as a as an individual mm. very interesting well yeah that was uh, anything else news wise uh, I don't think They're so the big stories the, the, mm. the road to Paris system launched <laughs> oh yeah I'm only mentioning because I'm in the Olympic yeah go uh, on then Callum tell us what, what's I'm all that about the, Olympic quarter right now. It's going to be the longest explanation ever, so I'm going to tell you really quick. Basically, Google Road to Paris rankings, and that is essentially where you rank in the world based on the, your chances of getting into the Olympics. You have a, a championship position, so that's literally where you're ranked. So, for example, I'm 38th, and then you have a country position. Yeah. Um, and your country position is where you rank of people in your country. So I'm 38th overall, but I'm the sixth Brit. So that would mean that even though I'm in the quota of the 45 athletes that qualify for the Olympics, I'm not in the top three in my country. So therefore I wouldn't get in, but it's okay. super interesting to um, take a look at, to see kind of one, you get to see what countries are kind of deepest in each event. So for example, I think I'm tied with Drew Hunter and he's the seventh American. So like Britain and America have six or seven athletes each in the top 38, which is like, you know, that represents too a lot many. of the country. Yeah, exactly. It's way too many. 
And you can also see how many people from countries where they're pretty lucky. So there's people below me that are maybe ranked like, um, you know, uh, just outside the quota. So say they're like 55th or 52nd, but they're from like Luxembourg or like um, Poland or something. Have you, so have you thought the... about dual, dual citizenship? Just buying uh, one for uh, Barbados, something like that? I, 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 I bleed red, white, and blue, mate. <laughs> no, I'd have to be. I actually couldn't anyway. Even if I had family ties, um, if you've represented Britain for a senior vest, I think you have to sit out for at least a year. It's either a year or two years mm. um, of international competition. So when people move from like um, Britain to Ireland, for example, because it's easier to make an Ireland team for the Olympics, um, if you've had a senior GB vest, then you have to um, you have to give up a Sell few it years on eBay. international. Um, well, yeah, but also you're not allowed to race for a couple of years as well. Yeah, which is that, make, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. If anyone is an athletics fan, keep an eye on that over the, the next nine months until the Olympics, because for those countries where they are taking people that fit into the quota, it's quite a cool, like almost like um, football league table where every weekend you'll see it gets updated based on people's points and times. And you can say, oh, this guy's got into the top 45 at the moment. He's in the Olympics. And then, the week after he might have dropped down to 46, so he's not in it. And yeah, I think it's definitely got potential in terms of um, athletics. Mm. It's just a shame that for Britain, it's completely irrelevant because um, they're not taking anyone based on their ranking. Oh, that's classic Britain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah, yeah, it is, it is annoying. But Britain did also smash it at the World Champs. So like I can criticize their um, strategy, but it kind of also did work, which is annoying. Yeah. Interesting. Right. That's the news then done this week. Have we got time yeah. for a couple of questions? Yeah, come on, let's do some questions. There's a lot here, aren't there? There is quite a few. I'll go for the like some of them for the more quick fire ones. Yeah. And we can save the bigger ones for in a couple of weeks. Um first one here. These are from Instagram, so I don't have the names of people who sent them in. This one's for Callum. Nylon or rubber strap for a chorus? <laughs> Either both equal. Both equal. Okay. Like literally, I've noticed no difference. Yeah. In having, uh, I, I had them both, and I've literally noticed no difference. I forget that I'm even wearing it. Yeah, fair enough. I'd say that I prefer the nylon because it's just easier to get on and off, but it does get grubby, which is a bit of a downside. Whereas the rubber one stays a bit fresher. Um, but yeah, no, no real difference. Um, any good running documentaries that you can recommend? Oh Ooh. yeah, there's a sick new one out actually. Let me just get the name of it. I sent it to Charlie yesterday to watch. Hold on. Uh, sorry if this plays out loud. I've just got to click on a link. I'll try and pause it. No worries. Okay. Okay. It's called Pacing the Pacific, running the fastest known time on the Pacific Crest Trail. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it only came out two weeks ago, uh, and it's only got one hundred twenty thousand views, so it's not like going crazy. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, this guy just decides to get into trail running, and then finds out that he's actually got a pretty good talent for it, and then goes on. Um, this 2,650 mile trail <laughs> uh, route in record time where he does 50 miles a day. Wow. And it's from like, yeah. it's from Mex Mexico to Canada. Um, but the way they produce it, it's a serious production. It's, it's an hour long, the documentary. Um, and it follows him through all the different countries and, and stuff. But yeah, check that one out. It's pretty good. And I don't even like trail running either, but I still enjoyed it. Nice. I'll definitely give that yeah. a watch. Perfect little cross training watch, that one. Uh, and the other one that I'd recommend is have you guys seen Right to Race? Yes. That's by yeah, that's on, the right? on one. So sick. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, that, that's, that's by on. If you've not seen that right to race, it's basically about um the the refugee status of Dominic Labalu 
and whether he can um, race for a country or race for a refugee team in the Olympics and stuff is yeah. pretty cool. So I would I would advise giving that a watch as well. It's a very emotional one. Yeah, only other one to to add is the Unknown Runner. It's a bit of a classic um, that looks at Jeffrey um, Kamura. Kamura, yeah, his his um, journey in Kenyan athletics, starting as one of the brightest talents. Uh, it was looked like he was going to become like the best in the world. It hasn't quite worked out for him, but um, it's a pretty damn good documentary that I'd recommend watching. Mm. I think it's on Pro- Amazon Prime. You can watch it. Any nice. others? Lovely. Um, mine are a bit more old school. I remember soon after I got into running and I went down the rabbit hole of like, I found a website which had like training logs of, uh, British runners from like the eighties who were banging out just stupid mileage. Oh, I know. Day. I know. Are you going to say the Seb- Are you going to say the Sebco one? Yeah. So, so there's, good. Yeah. Oh, there's Sebco born to run, which is also on YouTube. Um, and there was, a uh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Clash of the Titans, which was a Sebco versus Steve Ovet documentary the, from the uh, uh, Moscow 1980s. Which the, was, the Sebco yeah. one is so good. There's a scene where his dad is driving in a car behind him, and if yeah. Sebco slows down, his dad's just going to hit him with the car. So he has to keep yeah. running. It's so good. Yeah, and he's running in like uh, grey tracky bottoms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like jog, jogging bottoms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's but it's worth watching. It's it's just so cool to see like that old proper old footage which one was that born to run uh born to run yeah Yeah. i'll give that a watch that sounds good yeah released in 1992 wow yeah yeah it's very good it's very worth 33 years yeah interesting in that sort of stuff um good question nice i think what's next we could probably leave it at that i reckon the others are a bit more long-winded and we're about an hour and a half Mm. in um there is a random listener shout out this week a guy called David messaged um, the Instagram and said he wants to give a shout out to Michael Otterson of Utah for running a two hour 18 marathon, which is a great time. Uh, and it was a PB for him, despite um, some nasty calf cramping towards the end. So, yeah, thanks, David, for, for shouting out Michael from from Utah. Good job. Yeah, that is very random. My, on, David Michael Otterson went to BYU and he's an elite runner. OK. But he's also a husband, father, and engineer. <laughs> and so yeah, he's getting a shout out on uh, running through his podcast. I don't know why he's been shouted out. There's not a chance that this guy listens, surely. Because no. he doesn't follow, like, he doesn't, I'm on his profile, and you know, it tells you who they follow that you also follow. And he yeah. doesn't follow, like, anyone. So it's not like he's involved in the kind of, like, running space as yeah. such. So, yeah, random shout out. But David, if you were just shouting out this guy, just because you wanted to like give him some credit, I respect that. <laughs> yeah, so. I like it. I like how he's yeah. supporting other runners in the community. A lot of people message the show and just be like, "Oh, I did my first ever marathon, and I want a shout out." Which is like, I mean, that's fair enough. But it's nice that somebody's contacted the show saying, "Oh, my, I don't know. I'm guessing his buddy Michael has run a decent time, and he wants to give him a shout out." So, yeah, nice one, David. Do you reckon we're gonna end up doing like birthdays or like proposals? Yeah, I think we need know? wackier listener shout outs. Yeah, like Sharon. Sharon would like to ask uh, Steve to marry him. Yeah. So Steve, if you're listening, or well, I want to you know. sh- I want to thank Sharon from the co-op for for helping with my shopping this week or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Go on. Get a bit more creative with the listener shout-outs. Yeah, and there there is, yeah. but we'll get into them in in the next couple of episodes. But um, mm. yeah. Anything else to add, boys? No, all good, boys. Great pod. Good to be back. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your week, Ben. Yeah. Hope your scan goes well tonight. Thank you, mate. Um, 
drop us a message in the group chat. Yeah, I'll um, let you know. Once you got your results and stuff. So, but yeah, all the best with it. I've got a good feeling. That's all I'll say. Got a good yeah. feeling. Mm. That's good. I'm not so sure, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll be in Kenya next week, so I'll try and get in the cupboard and hope we can get some sort of podcast pod, podcast recorded. But yeah, for for the listeners who listened way back when I tried to do it last time, the the quality <laughs> of the episodes are going to be, let's just say, a lot less um, top tier than than the usual crisp audio that we produce here on the pod. Yeah, and yeah. I reckon, Ben, if you're there for six weeks, I reckon at least once you try and get like a guest on. Yeah, all right. To go in the cupboard with you and, and yeah. record. Yeah, worst case, we'll do. I'll do like a little monologue with some other person and then I'll just yeah. chuck it in the show. Yeah, I um, think that would be we'll, good. We'll make it work. It'd be nice to still get a few little updates, even if it's maybe not once per week, but we'll we'll try our best over the next few weeks. All right. All the best, lads. Lovely all stuff. Right. Good stuff. Good to speak to you next time. Yeah, good nice to speak, speak to with you, boys. Bye-bye. Thank you.